Hey, Wayward Ones, welcome to our very first episode of our Deity Worship series. In an effort to build on the foundations we've started here at the Witching Hour, one of the most common questions we've received is how do you pick a deity for your practice? And how can you honor them within your practice? And the short answer is, well, it's, it's whoever speaks to you, really. There's no right or wrong choice. But education is the foundation of that choice. So reading, reaching out, exploring, it's really the basis of any good witchy practice. So over the next few months, we're going to pick apart some common deities from pantheons all over the world and take a closer look at what they can offer to your practice. It's important to note that with mythology, there are often different versions of stories, and the bane of my existence, different pronunciations of names. Just know we do research our episodes thoroughly and we're doing our best. We just pick the ones that best serve our narrative for that episode. So kick back, relax, and join us on our journey. Today, we present to you the ancient Egyptian goddess Bast. Bast is an older name, one she was called when she was often portrayed as a fearsome lioness-headed goddess. She's also known by the name Bastet, which is usually credited to being a mistranslation of hieroglyphs. This version of Bast more closely resembled a domesticated cat, and some people feel that the name was meant to make her seem tiny or little, but I don't think that that's entirely true. Bastet literally means Soul of Isis, and that name is quite the badge of honor considering what a powerful and well-loved goddess Isis is. So let's travel back to the 3rd millennium BC, through blowing desert sands to an ancient deity that many a witch and a few cults still follow today. We're traveling to the time of pharaohs, pyramids, plagues, and other works of wonders we still marvel at. Welcome to the Witching Hour. Long before the Earth existed as we know it now, the great Egyptian god Atum stood amongst the primordial mound. Chaos swirled and rushed like water around him. Swimming amongst the chaos, happily exulting in this state of anarchy, was the god Atep. And as a tomb pulled apart the chaos around him, he began the act of creation. Now before this creation, the chaos seemed welcoming and whole. The world was unified in its lack of order. But as a tomb began to assemble the earth from the primordial mound, opposites began to emerge. Light and dark, male and female, earth and sky, the chaos was lost to stark definitions and the god Atep fumed in rage. How dare a tomb? The world was fine as it was. This action demands vengeance. And who better to target his vengeance on than the sun god himself, Ra? After all, the sun was the first sign of creation, the new world, and symbolized life itself, so I mean... Why not? Sickening. 
this whole world. If I can destroy the Sun King, the world will return to darkness and chaos once more. Ra is my mortal enemy and should be dealt with as such. Every morning, the great sun god Ra would mount his golden chariot and gallop through the sky. The people of Egypt would stare in admiration, seeing the sun as a symbol of their god's triumph over the forces of darkness and chaos. Atep was pissed. He and a liege of demons tried all sorts of tricks as Atep attempted to swallow him whole. One day, he hid behind the mountain where Ra landed his chariot after his long journey across the sky had ended. Other times, he was a bit more brazen, attacking openly. Now, legends here vary, but again, we've decided to present the version that ties to our episode today. So in this version, Ra's daughter, Bastet, rallied to his side to protect him. Another day, another battle. Will this war never end? Father, allow me. He is very dangerous, Bastet. How could you possibly succeed where I have not? Never fear, father. I know where Atep dwells. His cave in the deep, dark earth. But he cannot hide from me in the dark. Bast had the head of a cat, and her feline eyes had no problem adjusting to the darkness of the cave. This may be part of the origin of the famous Eye of Ra, or the all-seeing eye. Nothing could hide from Bast. Sinking through the darkness in her feline form, she pounced upon Hatep and sliced his head off with a swipe of her paw. Now that Bast had slain Hatep, the sun would continue to rise, the crops would continue to grow, and mankind was safe once again. So because of this, Bast would become known as a goddess of fertility, a protector of the home, forever. Bast wasn't just a fertility goddess, though. She's also known as the goddess of the home, domesticity, women's secrets, cats, and protects women during childbirth. I don't know about you guys, but that's already a good start for me if I'm hunting for a patron goddess. You had me at cats. So obviously the cat is her totem animal, and she's usually depicted in early mythology with the head of a lioness. So over time, she came to resemble the more common domestic cats of today. She also protected the home from evil spirits and disease, especially diseases associated with women and children. Now, this all sounds very lovey-dovey and protective and sweet and all, but make no mistake, Bast was not one to be messed with. Two of her nicknames were the Lady of Dread and the Lady of Slaughter. So I'm, I'm loving her. The more we get into this, this is like 100% the kind of goddess I could get behind. Still not sold? Because this next tale of Bast is legend. <laughs> Literally. Okay. Legend. I'll see myself out. <laughs> the young Prince Sedna was, well, a bit of a dick if we're being honest. This dude steals a book from a tomb after the inhabitants of the city beg him not to immediately putting him on the shit list of the gods, and he's off being cocky, gallivanting like the gods gift to mankind through Memphis when he comes across this stunningly beautiful woman. Obviously, this guy steals from the gods, so he has no boundaries, is overcome with lust, and is like, Oh, I gotta have me some of this. Servant, 
send that woman a note. Women love notes. Tell her I'll give her ten gold pieces to join me in my bedroom chambers this evening. <laughs> oh yeah, tell the prince he may meet me at the Temple of Bastet. There he'll find all his heart's desires waiting for him. Tabubu was no ordinary maiden and not one easily bought. She was a daughter of a priest of Bast, and much like the feline goddess, she enjoyed a good old-fashioned game of cat and mouse. Setna arrived at the temple, more than a little eager, but Tabubu had other things on her mind. I know my value, my lord. If you wish to join me in my chambers, I need to know how badly you desire me. Pretty bad, I'm not gonna lie. Enough to sign over every bit of property you own? Yep. And every earthly possession? Yep. (laughs) Well, that was easier than I thought. Anything for you. Anything. Now, uh, if you're ready... Wait, wait. All good things in time, my lord. Do you think I was born yesterday? I will, of course, need for you to call your children right away, so that they can sign too. I need to know that this transaction will go through uncontested. Ah, yes, of course. Slave, send for my children. I'm just going to go slip into something more comfortable. Oh. My. Goddess. The kids, they already signed. So... I'm ready. So ready. You ready? Just one last little thing. Of course. Absolutely. You name it. Those kids. I just don't trust it. They could come back and pull me into a massive court battle. And who has the time? They have to be killed. It's the only way I know you're good for it. Say less, my lady. Slaves, kill those kids and throw their bodies in the street. I have business to attend to. (laughs) Come here. Finally, overcome with lust, he takes Tabubu back to the bedchamber, strips down, and gets to business. But as soon as he fully embraces her, she screams and vanishes. And so does the bedchamber and the whole villa that they're in in the lustful and arrogant Prince Setna is left standing naked like an idiot in the middle of the village with his dick stuck inside of a clay pot. I kid you not, and that is the sort of goddess vengeance that I live for. His father, the pharaoh, comes by and Setna is completely humiliated. The pharaoh tells him that his children are still alive and all of this, the woman, the villa, all of it had just been an illusion. And Setna finally gets that he's being punished for stealing from the gods and returns the book he stole and makes a few other retributions to atone. So some versions of this story say that Tabubu was related to the Temple of Bast, and in other stories she's Bast herself, coming to wreak vengeance from the gods. Either way, I love how cleverly she gets her revenge. This could be a cautionary tale to men who just view women as sexual objects, 
Really, they should consider that they never know if they're in the presence of a goddess and what might happen if they offend her. And women in Egypt were actually held in really high regard and had equal status unlike some other civilizations, so a goddess that protected women was highly popular. So popular that when Persia invaded Egypt, they actually painted images of Bast on their shields and made animals run before their armies. Why? Because the Egyptians were too scared to piss Bast off by attacking her image or the animals, so they immediately laid down their weapons and surrendered. So knowing some of her background, how important she was, some of the things she actually represents, why would you pick Bast as your patron goddess? Well, let's start simple. The common house cat is actually considered a representative of Bast herself, so... Are you that crazy cat lady? Is your cat your familiar? You may be a little closer than you think to Bast already. Or maybe you're that hearth or cottage witch, that one that likes to stay close to home and a crazy cat lady? Because that has Bast's name and patron duties all over your everyday practice. So here are some ways I found that you can incorporate her into your own magic and reach out. See if you feel a connection. I always feel like a good way to start is to build an altar. Why? Because whenever I build an altar, I know if I'm vibing it or not pretty quick. Like, do I like the presence of little cat statues? Do I like how catnip looks on my altar? Common offerings she's a fan of includes beer, wine, tea. So those are my three favorite beverages. I'm already winning on this one. Uh, She loves chamomile and myrrh essential oils, and she favors jasmine and lavender incense, which I am also obsessed with, by the way. So if any of those appeal to you, then you may be closer to Bass than you think. And since she is a cat goddess, obviously catnip. Catnip grows like a weed and makes an amazing offering. So when my cat goes totally bonkers and steals it right off the altar, I like to think that Bast is having a laugh at it. Now, one of the early translation of Bast's name is She of the Ointment Jar. She was also a goddess of perfumes and ointments, so try making a protection salve. Or mix your own perfume, and you can leave that as an offering to Bast too. Another really cool suggestion I found for connecting with Bast was to sunbathe. Yep, that's right, just like a giant cat. Feel all of that sunlight and energy sinking in, and it's almost like you can feel Bast's energy literally on your skin. I took to Reddit while I was looking for suggestions, as any proper witch should, to see what others had to say and found even more solid advice. I figured there's probably got to be some witch who follows Bast in their own practice, and Reddit did not disappoint. One witch, by the name Arc2468, said... I've got a strong affinity for both Bast and her counterpart sister, twin Sekhmet. I think if you intend to work with Bast, you should understand both goddesses, because they're very connected, and sometimes considered the same goddess depending on who you ask or what you read. Sekhmet has a lot to do with protection, violence, and revenge, and it's important to know there is that aspect to Bast. When the two were seen as separate, those associations were put to Sekhmet, and Bast was seen as less ferocious and more of a gentle house cat. But it's misleading to think Bast has no link to the energies Sekhmet is known for. So be careful, do your research, and understand both sides. Which is really solid advice. As someone who looks for balance in a lot of my practice, 
this seems to be a really good thing to consider, that there's two facets to this deity, so there would be a little more to explore than just Bast herself, and that automatically appeals to me just a little bit more. And that's really what picking a patron goddess or god is all about, finding what resonates with you and your practice. And if you don't think Bast is the goddess for you, have no fear. We're going to be digging into pantheons from all over the world, from all different angles, and who knows? Maybe help open a door between yourself and your very own patron deity. We can't wait to dig just a little deeper with you guys. See you next time on The Witching Hour. Have you guys gotten the chance to check out our new newsletter? It's totally free and available online through our link tree at Housecraft Official. Every month, the full moon, we put out a brand new newsletter and we're evolving all the time. They have some of our favorite recipes. We do terrible tarot readings and sometimes we even feature witches of the month. But one of the features that I wanted to bring up was written by our very own Teeter. She's our mistress of many things. She does our articles, she does our editing, she's amazing. But in our newsletter, she writes an article called Reflecting the Past, Manifesting Your Future. And she reflects on this last moon cycle, and here's what she had to say. This moon cycle brings strength and bravery. Take time to remember all those moments you felt you couldn't get through, but you did. You did it. Life will always bring its challenges, and... Remembering and carrying pride in how well we survived situations can remind us how amazing and resilient we are. In those dark spaces, you learned and you grew. The world is constantly changing, and so are you. Remember how awesome you are and carry that strength forward into your next challenge. You are strong. You are brave. And you are loved. It seems like a small thing, but we love sharing these sort of affirmations with one another and really getting to lean on each other and grow. So make sure you check out our link tree, Housecraft Official. You can find all of our other podcasts, all of our other upcoming events, follow us on any of our social medias. And thanks again to all of our Patreon members for continuing on. We've actually had a few one-year anniversaries coming up, and I cannot tell you how much it means to us to have you here with us on this entire journey. You guys are the best. If you want to take some time to help out, contribute, definitely check us out on Patreon at Housecraft Official. See you next time.